My fellow warriors. I promise. I promise. I promise. I promise. I promise to be of service to you. 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 And to allow you. To allow you to be of service to me. To be of service to me. And to allow you to be of service to me. And I will allow you to be of service to me. Until both you and I defeat this demon that assails us. Until both you Until and both I you successfully defeat and this demon I successfully defeat this demon that assails us. Successfully defeat this demon that assails us. Successfully defeat this demon that assails us. I have been given the tools to win. 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 I have all the tools that I need to win this week, and I will win. And I. I have been given the tools to win. And I will win. And I will win. And I will win. We are here to tell you you are not alone. You are not broken. You have not gone too far in the wrong direction. You just tried a different path. And somewhere along that path, you lost a part of yourself. And that addiction, that trauma, that pain came in and it filled the gap. And you had to learn the hard way. You had to grow through adversity. You had to fight to find out who you really are and what you really believe in. See, real change is not about going back. Back there, there are only old habits and hidden pain. Your change comes in the direction you choose to face. So right now, choose to win. Wipe those tears of defeat from your face and get up. We need you. So don't you quit. Don't you dare quit. You keep going. One step at a time, you make that climb and you do it for you. You do it because you are worth fighting for. And one day you're going to look in the mirror and you're going to smile and love the person you see because you will be the person God always intended you to be, a better you, a recovered you. Hello and welcome back, my friends. I am your host, Cameron Harrison, and I'm once again joined by a special co-host, someone that has a particular set of skills and knowledge in in what we're going to talk about today. I'm also, I'm really, really excited about this topic, and it's rare that... um, I I talk to someone or I hear someone's story and I go, this person has has this life experience and a lot they can bring to the table and offer when it comes to things like our topic today. And then I have to go and do research. And man, I just got learnt today. I got I got learnt hard. (laughs) And that that learning actually um, kind of inspired me to, and, and I'll bring this up again later, it inspired me to reach out to Facebook and, and some of my communities on there. And I got some amazing feedback on that. We'll read some of, some of those comments. Uh, but our topic today is apparently really meaningful and a little bit triggering and something that a lot of, a lot of people today have to deal with and are trying to figure out and understand. So what we're going to be talking about today is what's known as generational toxicity. I know this is kind of a hot button topic. I know this might be something that a lot of people may even disagree with me on some of this stuff. That's totally fine. I would love your comments. I would love your disagreements and I would love to have a discussion about this. So if at any point you feel uh, inspired or want to reach out and want to continue this discussion, uh, you can find us uh, at recovering you podcast at Facebook or you can email us at recoveru2, and that's the number two, recoveru2, at gmail.com. If you have any stories that you would like to share or would like to be featured, you can also reach us at those places as well. So 
before we get into the content, before I introduce my, my co-host Richard today, I just want to make sure that people understand this is not going to be an episode where we bash on our parents and the, the faults that we view our parents had in raising us. Because as you become a parent and as you start to realize all the things that your parents went through and just how hard parenting is and the things you've learned from watching your parents, it, it really is, I mean, it's not just ingrained in habits, it's deeper than habits. It is, it is a generational pass down thing that, that my, my wife actually told me today, we were discussing this. She was like, generational toxicity, guaranteed. It, it takes more than one generation to fix. It is, as, as long as it takes to ingrain itself, it has to grow out of that as well. And so it's going to hopefully get a little bit better with my children and then even better with their children. And that's how we make the world a better place. That's how we get rid of these poorly conceived ideas of what good parenthood was and uh, how it, it causes trauma and it causes a lot of pain. So we're, we're going to break into that today. I'm going to first real quick introduce um, my buddy, Rich. He is uh, dude, buddy rich. That was a, that's a famous drummer. I don't, does it, <laughs> you ever been called buddy rich? I haven't. <laughs> Sorry. Segway ADHD on the, on the button right now. <laughs> Rich, why don't you go ahead and uh, introduce yourself a little bit? Maybe, maybe give us a, a couple minutes of kind of your background. Uh, you know, why, why you're into uh, your recovery and, you know, why this is such an important topic for you before we actually jump into the, the big swimming pool of all this stuff. Yeah. Um, so into my recovery, I in recovery now about a year or so. Um, it's been been a ride for sure, uh, but I'm glad to be here and had a lot of help along the way. Um, but this has been a huge topic for me, especially as I've gotten further down the road in recovery, looking back, kind of seeing how these these uh, generational toxicity tendencies have played out in my life in my family i've seen the how the effects have have carried into my my growing family my wife and my daughter how i've brought them into my family and how i have seen them how i've taken them from my my family growing up um so i guess what i mean by that is as i've gotten further into recovery and i've kind of had that clarity that comes from that i've noticed things that i hadn't before yeah um things like i don't necessarily love being around my parents as much as i used to as i thought i did hmm uh, weird i i don't <laughs> know anyone else who's ever gone through anything like that <laughs> Or, you know, you don't, uh, family parties maybe aren't as fun as they used to be. You're like, hmm, yeah. these, one of these things isn't like the others. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I don't, I don't know if that answers your question, but, uh, recovery has played a huge role in the saying hindsight is 2020 mm. it kind of as you develop and grow in that, uh, the clarity and the maybe clarity is only a part of the, the term, but maybe self-awareness. Well, and it's, it's supposed to be that way, right? Like we're, we're supposed to, you hear parents say all the time, I don't want you to grow up to be like me. I want you to grow up to be better than me. 
And so, so for us to say, like, I want you to be better than me. And then to have our children grow up and say like, Hey, I didn't really agree with the way that you did this for us to then take offense to that would be like, so hypocritical. So no, we should absolutely embrace the fact that our children should be learning what we did right and learning from what we did wrong. And they should be improving upon everything that they are taught. That's the whole point. So I, I love that you pointed that out. Right. Exactly. Couldn't have said it better. I mean, maybe a little bit better here. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, and, and I will just say, um, so I was actually there on day one of your recovery journey. I, I actually, I was the mentor of the group that you started in um, coming in as, you know, a, a doe-eyed <laughs> first year at Hogwarts student, just learning magic for the first time. <laughs> Yeah. And that's that's really kind of what it is. Like it's so wide-eyed to then step into a room full of men that are that all of them are happy to say, Yeah, I I have this this struggle, this problem. And I'm I'm just here to to make myself better. I'm here to help other people get better. Uh I, I'm here to learn how to love myself and to understand um how I am loved from my heavenly father as well. So yeah, knowing you from day one to now, you're doing this whole like apprenticeship mentoring thing. Like you have, um, we we just recently heard two weeks ago from Brandon. He talks a lot about the uh, the all in concept of recovery, and dude, you have gone all in, and it is so cool to see because a lot of people they'll join a recovery program and and they'll they'll continue with it and then they'll get better, and then once they've graduated, you know. They are a better person. And this is not, I'm not saying this is a wrong way of doing things, but they'll, they'll leave the program. They'll be like, I, I feel like I'm doing pretty good. And in more cases than not, they'll end up coming back later and being like, you know, I realize I, I need this more than I thought I did. I need this kind of as a constant thing. Right. And then there's those people that go all in, like, like what you've done, like what I did, like what so many guests on my show have done right. that. They don't dip their toe in recovery. They freaking cannonball into it with a warrior scream as they go into the, into the water. And those are the people that it, it's not enough to change their lives. It becomes a life purpose for them. It becomes a passion for them to tell their story, to bless the lives of others, and to become the individual that God sent them here to be and to realize that potential is the coolest thing that, that can happen to you to be like, Oh, God is looking at me and he is smiling right now. And he's saying to me, see, this is the guy. This is the guy I sent down from heaven. This is the one that I said would do great works. He is emerging and it is amazing. So, Oh, I got, I got chills right now. Cause I'm all like jazzed up about your recovery and, and what I've seen you do with your life. Um, and just, I mean, you, you've had a child, your, your, your marriage is getting better. Like you, you are glowing as an individual from the, the broken and kind of doubtful individual that first showed up in recovery. So kudos to you. I'm proud of you, man. And I love you for what you've done with your life. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate that. I love, I love the, the people that heavenly father places in your life. Um, at the exact right moments when you need them and you've yeah. been you played a huge role in in my recovery and your podcast as well so thank you for having me here i appreciate it heck yeah man all right let's go let's go <laughs> um all right so let's 
let's break into this a, a little bit. So like, let's talk a little bit about what is generational toxicity. It's, I mean, this is a wide range of things, anything from, you know, just lack of communication of parents, just not talking, not communicating what they're going through and children sitting there wondering, like, is it my fault that my parents are fighting? Is it, is it my fault? You know, and just kind of being kept in the dark or and not even necessarily children, other family members that there's, there's a lot of, a lot of people out there that are like, I never knew what my parents were going through. I never had an idea whether they were happy or sad. I know that when we went to Disneyland, they put a smile on their face. I know that when we walked in the door at home, things were a 180 from that. And it was not a happy place to be. And so th this is a very relatable thing that, that people that people go through. Uh, so anywhere from from that to just kind of like not really communicating what they're going through to things like uh, abuse, things like uh, di divorce and um, whether it be physical abuse, sexual abuse, whether it be things like addiction, like alcoholism. And it can even be things like seeing your parents suffer through a terminal illness like that can traumatize someone to where if it's not dealt with, if it's not talked about, if it's not shared, and if a healing process doesn't occur, that when things come up later in life, there will be an automatic response within your brain that causes you to react in a way, um, in, in typically a negative light where it has a very negative major impact on your life. So a good example, I, I was uh, in my studying today, I was I was watching this thing that talked about um, a dad is helping his child brush their teeth. And the child goes, no, I don't want you to do it. I want mommy to do it. And the dad goes, no, I'm going to brush your teeth. Child goes, no, not you. You don't know how I want mommy. And say this, this father had a memory in their past of something related to this, where they were then screamed at, they were hit, they were smacked around, they were, you know, it, they, there was a negative memory associated with a similar experience where they tried to um, ask for the other parent and they were uh, abused emotionally, physically, whatever it might be. And so within a matter of seconds, it can go from this moment where it could be a bonding experience of, hey, can, can dad help you brush your teeth? No, I, I want mommy to... I'm going to brush your teeth. You don't get a say in it. And it can turn into yelling and a really traumatizing and negative experience for that, for that child. And it breaks the trust and it continues that toxicity that that person went through. Now their response might be to do that, to yell. It might be to fall to the ground, collapse in an emotional breakdown where they're like, I can't handle, I can't have my child rejecting me. Like I, I'm failing as a parent. And they go into this major shame and fear response of how they're doing something wrong. And then their child all of a sudden is like, Oh, I, I broke my parents. What did I do? Like, there, There's, there's something wrong here. All these things. This, this is not the parent's fault. This is something that was not dealt with earlier on in their life where they never, they never spoke about it because who thinks to, to think about a moment of brushing their teeth or a small little moment like that where a negative response happened and then to associate it with how you're treating your own child. Only the trained people that have gone through some sort of therapy and learn how to communicate and discuss their issues could take a scenario like that and have the child go, no. I don't, I don't want you. I want mommy. And for them to say, okay, I'll go get mommy. Um, 
And right now I just, I just need you to know, like that hurts my feelings a little bit because I really wanted this moment with you, but I understand. And it's okay that you want mommy. Maybe next time you can let me help you out. You will not leave any sort of scar on your child, but this takes, uh, this takes a very mature and aware type of understanding for a parent to respond this way. So I, I know that was a long spiel to what is generational toxicity, uh, but do you, do you have any thoughts on, on kind of that, that learned behavior and that past trauma coming up and being triggered by just little things? No, I think you hit the nail on the head there. I, I can definitely see how little things like that can, can build up and fester. I haven't necessarily uh, experienced anything like that yet in, in <laughs> my parenting spat, but my child's only 11 months old, so I can't talk back to him yet. <laughs> and still brushing gums, not, <laughs> not me. Exactly. Um, so, um, but I, I think that uh, communication is definitely key. In, in having an 11-month-old, they can't really communicate to you, so it becomes so much more imperative that you and your spouse communicate effectively. Yes. Because if you leave out that communication it creates so much more tension between you and your spouse, especially when you got this child screaming at you and you're like, I don't know what she wants. And now you cut out the communication between you and your spouse. Um, I don't know what you want. <laughs> yeah. So now you're like, you're all just angry and you're feeling this, like you're just smashing your head against the wall. Yeah. So taking the time to say, all right, what do you need? What do you need? how do we figure this out and kind of communicate together? Because I guess going back to generational toxicity, um, if I look back on my childhood, my parents weren't the best at communicating. And even as I look at them now, I can see that they're still not the best at communicating. Uh, <laughs> maybe maybe day-to-day -day activities they're fine at communicating, but as far as feelings go, that doesn't happen. And, and I'm, I'm really glad that you brought up the whole uh, spousal communication and generational toxicity, because it isn't just about raising children, not at all. I mean, that's, that's maybe 25% uh, of it. Another 25% is going to be how you, how, how you are with your spouse. A child that grows up in a household where there is constant fighting, yelling, lying, cheating, backbiting, uh, abuse, whatever it might be that is going to be their behavior when they get into a relationship that they'll, they'll say, I saw my parent hit my other parent when they got frustrated about um, spending money without permission. So now that I'm married, if my spouse spends money without my, my permission, I'm going to hit them. And let me, uh, let me backtrack just a little bit here. There are two different kinds of responses from growing up in a household like that. When you get into a relationship and you become married, you're either going to respond in the way of this is just what I grew up knowing and I don't really see the right or wrong of it because it's what I grew up knowing. Or you're going to respond in the way of I never want to be like that because I saw the wrong of it. And therefore, I will never raise a hand in anger to my spouse. And so that's what we grow up kind of kind of figuring out for ourselves is are we going to adopt the behaviors of our, of our parents and be that way as a parent? Or are we going to uh, reject the things that we saw they did wrong and adopt a new way, a way that, you know, it's like, I don't have to be like that. I can actually be a very loving, kind, 
communicative, understanding spouse that even when I'm frustrated, I can still say, look, I'm, I'm a little upset that, that you made this choice without me. Can we talk about this? Can, can we come to a, a common understanding? And there doesn't have to be anger. There doesn't have to be contention. This, the, you know, Satan never has to be introduced to the conversation. There can be disagreements. There can be hard times. And the spirit can be involved with all of that. Good things can be involved with all that. Because in the end, we're all human. We all make mistakes. And if we can be empathetic and understanding toward that, then why, why punish and abuse other people for their mistakes when we're out there making them too? Anyway, sorry, I, I took your, uh, took no, your comment no. and segued. No, that was, that was spot on. Awesome. So now that we have a little bit of a better understanding of generational toxicity, kind of, kind of what it is, passing down poor behaviors from one generation to another, I found this experiment today. And I, I know I, I actually, I sent Richard uh, this, this experiment. I was like, dude, look this up. This, this is going to come up in our conversation today because this is, this is huge. This is probably the forefront, the most famous experiment done with uh, generational learned behavior or attachment behavior. It happened in 69 was the 1969 was the first time this experiment was done by a man named Dr. Ben Duras. And it's called the Bobo doll experiment. And what he did was he placed uh, a child in a room with an adult and uh, this, this Bobo doll, it's like this clown that has a weight in the bottom an inflatable clown. And, you know, it's like the boxing things that when you punch them, they come right back up. Um, and so they, they place this, this doll in there with an adult and a child and the adult would punch this thing in the face. They would throw it around. They would take a hammer to its head, you know, like showing like, that's how you treat this toy. And then they would have the, the, the adult leave the room and they would ask the child like, okay, you can play with this toy now. And the child would go up and they'd pick up the hammer and they'd hit this thing in the head and they'd punch it and they'd kick it and they'd throw it. And it wasn't, you know, it was just, it was a learned behavior because that was all they knew. That was what they were shown on how to play with this toy. And then in another room, they would have a different adult with a different group of children. And the, they would take the, the Bobo doll and they would incorporate the Bobo doll in the play with them, with their blocks, with their other dolls, um, with their trucks and stuff like that. And it was just another toy incorporated into it as uh, a common toy. And then when they would ask those kids, okay, go ahead and play with this doll. You know, they were, do they were playing with it the same way that that learned behavior showed. So this just gives a really great demonstration of learned behavior that we, we know what we've learned and what we've witnessed. And that's why we need to be so empathetic. And I mean, I, I too, like Richard, I did not have a, I, I, I look at my relationship with my parents right now. It's not great. And, and I know my mom listens to this podcast and I, and I know she knows this about me. And I know that we've had lengthy conversations about this, that I, I wish things would have been different. And I know she wishes things would have been different too. Uh, you know, like you said, hindsight is 2020. That doesn't mean that things will never get better. It doesn't mean that at all there needs to be an understanding of there may have been abuse yelling. I know that there was divorce in my, in my dad's history. Um, my, my mother's parents passed away when she was just a teenager. When she was a young girl, she was raised by her aunt 
who I call grandma today. So she has that trauma in her past. And, and so there's, there's so much going on in everyone's lives that for us to be unforgiving and to not allow our parents any sort of leniency toward making mistakes is unfair on our part. Now, that does not mean that we need to say, I forgive you, you can come back into my life. We don't need to allow toxicity into our homes. That does, however, mean that we can release ourselves of that toxicity, release that burden and say, look, I forgive you. I understand that you had a hard life. You went through some stuff and that sucks. And I'm sorry that you had to go through that. And I learned some really important and valuable lessons from you, good and bad. And I am who I am today, who I would consider to be a good person because you raised me that way. And it doesn't have to be a painful, resentful, harboring, like negativity harboring relationship. So, and what we can get a little bit more into that in a minute, but you look like you, you had something on your mind. So I, I want to let you speak. No, just as, as you were saying that, I was just kind of thinking about, was it a few months ago, you and I met up for those listeners that don't know, um, we live in different states and I was on a business trip and we just had an opportunity to meet up in person and have a pretty good conversation about where we were both at and kind of discuss this generational toxicity. And that's kind of where the idea of this podcast concept came from. Um, so as, as Cameron was just sharing that and not to, not to hijack your thought there, Cameron, but no, go ahead, man. Hijack away. I've been doing it to you all day. <laughs> The generational toxicity in my family has mainly come from my dad. Um, and I've since kind of patched things up with him and we've been we've been doing a lot better recently. Um, I just had to have the frank conversation with him of like, what are we doing? I thought we were friends and now it doesn't really seem like we are. What's going on here? Like, I don't really have a parental figure. Well, that's not fair. I've got my mom, but she and I aren't really close. They're they're married still, so I made it sound like they're divorced, but they're they're still married. I just have not really had a close relationship with my mom all that much. So my dad's always been like my bro, my guy, or so I thought. And then as I got further into self-awareness, it was kind of like he wasn't really there. And that was fine. So we had this conversation a while back, um, kind of like you said, you had those lengthy talks with your mom. Um, and I was just kind of like, what's, what's going on here? What are we doing? I don't feel like you're really connected. I feel like I'm your employee is what I told him. I was like, you're like a really nice boss. Like, <laughs> you check in on me every now and then. And oddly enough, he now is my boss. So that's, that's fine. But like, so there him, it is. Yeah. You're like a really nice boss. And he's like, oh, that, that makes me feel bad. And I was like, <laughs> I'm I was feeling like, things right now. <laughs> it's like well that's kind of what you do like you cut me a check every two weeks and then you talk to me about work and don't ask me anything about my life (laughs) um and he's like well yeah okay and so we just kind of got talking about life and a deep conversation about where we're at and kind of the things that were um, difficult throughout childhood and had a, had a bonding moment that we, I don't think I've ever had. We had words that we talked about that have never been brought up between he and I. And it was a really helpful conversation that I hadn't had with him before that I think definitely helped to 
to overcome the generational toxicity to a, to a degree. It's still there for sure, but I just had to kind of remove the expectations from him and still have that arm's length relationship and kind of gain some understanding on his end. Because before I was always like, hmm, dad's mean to me. <laughs> but like, that's not helpful, obviously. Right. So I just kind of kind of go seek some understanding from his side. Like, okay, what's what's the thought pattern here? And kind of see where he's at. And so um, you may not know, my dad is from South Africa. He is a foreigner. He migrated here when he was like 25 or something. So he was in a boarding school all through their like K through 12 equivalent, yeah. whatever that would be. Yeah. And there was quite a bit of like, emotional abuse there, just like not great schooling systems for him. Um, so when he, and he went through like the South African military and some other things, like I can imagine that would be a pretty traumatic experience and his parents are not the best. So like he's got a lot of baggage that he to this day has not dealt with so his he's got some generational toxicity that he still carries around of course um and then i was like why don't you seem like you really care about me or any of the siblings like you know like it just seems like you and mom just like like you go to their house and you're like saying bye to everybody and they're like hey bye i love you and it's like you get a side hug like you're someone at church like you get a side hug you know? yeah i'm yeah. a child you can hug me but all right whatever side hug away i'm like <laughs> what's up with that like i can't have a real hug like i'm not much of a touchy-feely persons but like a hug from dad every now and then would be kind of nice but um and we were just chatting about it and he's like well um so and i didn't really know this but he so his dad um had a few sexual abuse charges against him and so I didn't really know the depth of that so he that happened when he was a kid and into his young adult parenting life when my dad was a young parent so when that happened he kind of didn't want that stereotype to pass along to him so he didn't want to be seen as that person so he has all these all this baggage emotional I don't know if it's a generational toxicity thing per se, but he has all this stuff that's come along with him and yeah. kind of the person he is. So he carries this around from his parents and that's passed along to him. And then I, I now see this in me to where I, my wife is always like, do you like me? I feel like I get a handshake before bed sometimes. And that's <laughs> like, <laughs> so I have to work on this too. So I, this is kind of a learned trait that I've seen and I, I'm definitely working on this as well. So there's just this line and I kind of helped, it helped me, this conversation helped me to connect the dots. So I was like, oh, I get it. I, I get it. So I, I guess just long story short, it does help with generational toxicity to go in and seek understanding. As you were said, to, as you were saying, the idea of having empathy helps. Yeah. To, to go in and have the understanding and just be like, I get it. I understand. I still, I, I mean, I've, I've always loved you. I get it. I know where you're coming from. I can totally see that that would be a traumatic experience, a 
stressful situation for you and that kind of has cultivated you into the person you are yeah no i i I love that you that you basically you kind of broke that chain through communication you you finally spoke up and said hey look like let's talk about the fact that the the way you're treating me is it's not really what i want i i want affection I, i i would like to feel like you're interested in my story and what's going on in my life. I mean, you have a grandchild and like how, how often, how often are you asking about this? Like, it feels like there's not a lot of important things in my life that you care about. And that's okay to communicate that because that isn't saying, Hey, you suck as a parent, (laughs) because that would be a very wrong way to go about this. Um, This is something that that we work with a, a lot with our kids is, the ability to communicate negativity without insult. And you do this by speaking for yourself and not for other people. So you can say, when you said this, when you did this, it made me feel, it hurt me because this is not an attack on the other person. This is saying an action that you did hurt me. It's not saying, hey, you hurt me. You betrayed me. Because that's going to cause a defensive reaction. That's going to cause them to all of a sudden put their armor on, pick up their sword and say, I'm in this fight too, you know? And, and then they're like, well, what about when you, I'm sure that's a very relatable thing for a lot of people. And, and I mean, before these kind of arguments even like start, before they can even be had in an effective way, there needs to be an understanding of, I'm going to tell you some things that I'm hurting over. And what I need right now is not for you to respond. I don't need you to try and fix it. I don't need promises right now. I need you to know how I'm feeling. So I'm going to speak and I'm going to step away. We can talk more about your thoughts and feelings later. That's an okay way to respond and then to communicate that. Um, and, and I feel like we're, I'm totally like, I'm, I'm actually segueing away from generational toxicity, but the, the way that people communicate, um, is a learned behavior. If your parents communicated by yelling all the time, if you have always um, witnessed, you know, siblings, everyone having poor communication, then, then this is a great thing to learn. It's a great thing to research. How do I better fight with my spouse? <laughs> like, that's an okay thing to, to research, to talk to people about, like, how do I do better at, at not having every disagreement turn into a fight that lasts three days? And then we're good for one day. And then we fight for five days. And then we're good for one day. And we're really, we're only good when we want something from the other person. That's not a healthy relationship. Yeah. Like, no, no. Your disagreement should last momentarily while your affection continues to grow for each other. And that's done by listening, not to respond, but to understand. And then also speaking your truth about what you're feeling versus projecting and gaslighting the other person and coming in for the, uh, the, the attack on that person. So th- this actually, I, I feel like this falls in uh, really well with the uh, attachment theory. So attachment theory, let, let's talk about that for a second. This is based on the idea that the idea that our interactions between ourselves and our primary caregivers in early childhood greatly affects our interactions and our relationships as adults. Now we've kind of been talking about this a lot. Uh, This has been kind of an underlying theme, but I want to put a name to that. So people understand that as they go through things and they witness, like, like, do you ever have that moment where you do something? You're like, Holy crap. I just heard my dad. 
that was 100% my father right there. Or, and my wife said that to me today. She's like, there are times that I am talking to the children and I go, whoa, that was my mom. That she just stepped out of, she just stepped out of my mouth and lectured my children. That that was exactly how she used to do it. Um, I get that all the time. And, and sometimes like when I'm, when I'm uh, just like, messing with friends and having a good time and the way that I laugh and stuff, I hear my dad all the time. I'm like, that was my dad's laugh. That was my dad's sense of humor. That quick little witty comment right there, hundred percent, my dad. And, and I appreciate those moments. And then there's those moments where I raise my voice to my kids and I go, crap, that was my dad. And I don't want that. I, uh, last night. So I'm, I'm going to go into a personal story here because if we're talking about generational toxicity, we got to come from a place of personal experience, right? Uh, to be an expert on it, you got to experience it. For sure. Last night, my, my wife was having a mom-daughter date with uh, one of my girls downstairs. And so my, my son and my other daughter were having to sleep over up in, up in her room. Um, and I, you know, I, I put them in bed and everything. I, I took care of the kids and, and I, I expressed my I, I communicated my desires. Hey, it's been a long day. We've been going since six o'clock this morning. It's nine 30 at night. Will you please obey the bedtime rules? Just go to sleep. Yes, dad, we promise. Go, go have some you time. And I was like, thank you. I, that's what I need right now. I need some me time. And I told them that. And then, you know, 15 minutes later, they're jumping around, having a party in their room. And I went in and I unleashed, I unleashed that, that generational response where I went and I was like, I'm so disappointed. I'm so mad right now. You told me, you promised me that you would not act this way. And my voice raised to a level that my daughter and and I look back and I feel terrible about this. Her body language response, she curled into a ball and she cowered from me. She hid and I even said, stop cowering. I'm not scaring you. And I can't, sorry. I can't believe I said that to my daughter. And so I, I went in later that night. She was asleep. I still spoke to her in her sleep, which is not good enough, by the way, which is why I spoke to her again this morning. Apologizing while your child's asleep does nothing to fix the relationship, by the way. Um, but it, it, was, it was my first step at saying, okay, I can't apologize. So this morning I was actually researching this and uh, my daughter was coming down the stairs. I was like, Hey, Cam, come here. And she kind of came down. What? And I was like, (laughs) you know, I could tell she was like, am I in trouble? And I was like, come here. And I, I I pulled her onto my lap in the chair and I just held her. She goes, did you just need a hug dad? (laughs) And I was like, kind of. And I also want to apologize. I'm so sorry. I scared you last night. You deserve a dad that you never have to be afraid of. And she was like, I forgive you, dad. And she was like, and I heard you last night. <laughs> I heard you. And I just, I was still too nervous to open my eyes and say that I accepted your apology because I wasn't ready. This is how we end that toxicity. We learn to apologize. We learn to recognize where we went wrong. It's not that we're never going to make mistakes again. That's going to happen. It's that we can acknowledge where we went wrong 
and we communicate that and we be willing to change. Sorry, I got a little emotional there, which no. I it's ironic because before this podcast, I was like, I'm not an emotional guy. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Shake that off. Kids are the best, though. Like, yeah. they're so quick to to recognize, um, to apologize and to forgive Yeah, on whether they're wrong or whether uh, they were wronged and uh, need to accept an apology. They're so perceptive to to either either one of those situations and that and that's that's what i i know christ meant when he said uh you know be like the little children um it it wasn't to go around you know being irresponsible and loud and crazy it was to be quick to forgive quick to understand quick to love and to trust and that is that is how we should be and that's the lesson my daughter taught me last night and man it was it was a powerful one (laughs) and a very humbling one um, did, did you have any other comments before we move on to our next point and then finish up? No, no, I think you've been doing a great job. I think we've covered a lot. Um, I think that, um, you said earlier that you had segued away from generational toxicity into communication. Um, but I think, I guess another comment, I guess would be that they go together, uh, communication and ending generational toxicity go hand in hand yeah um i think that um the older generation i don't know why for some reason they don't communicate very effectively it seems like a common theme that they don't own their feelings and that that stigma of men don't cry i think it came from that generation or maybe even earlier Well, yeah, um, but, yeah. And just, just real quick interjection. How many times yeah. have you heard the phrase, especially from like our, our parents' generation and older, buck up, be a man, D- yep. you know, just just dust yep. it off, get over it. Rub some dirt on it. Yeah. 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 So, so back to you. Yeah, so exactly. Like they they kind of do that. And I, I, I literally can remember many times as a kid, my dad saying that, like, oh, don't cry, you'll be fine. Like, oh, just don't worry about it or you know, like, you'll be fine. Men don't get depressed. They're like, you'll be fine. <laughs> like, you're just a teenager. You'll get over it. Yeah. Yeah. Teenagers have. These have are teenagers. just right. These are just your teenage hormones. You're fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> my, my dad's got a saying of like, oh, when you're a teenager, your brain disconnects when you're 12 and reconnects when you're 21. Which is probably a little bit of truth to that. But yeah. still, that's how he dealt with teaching me and helping me through my teenage years. Like, there was no coaching me through emotions or anything like i just literally coasted through addiction and there was no help and i just literally floundered through that and had no help um but anyway back to communication there was no communication on in that generation's time so i think it's in there's a trend and I don't remember if it was an article I read recently or somebody was talking about it on the news or something, but there's a trend that like people on the age of like 38 ish, 40 ish and younger think that therapy and talking about your feelings is a good thing. And people the 40 and up avoid it. (laughs) I don't need a shrink. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Talking about my feelings? Are you kidding yeah. me? 
anyway. And, so and going, I, going back to the empathy side of things on that though, like we have not gone through things like the great depression and a world war. And yes, there has been wartime conflict. However, our, our impact, especially here in America has not had that traumatic, that, that traumatizing effect that a lot of our parents and grandparents and great grandparents went through. So that, that concept of you need to be stronger than this was, I mean, that was a survival technique for a lot of them. And then things like understanding PTSD was not even diagnosed until, you know, decades after world war two till, till when they started saying like, maybe this is something going on from your time in the war where you watched your brothers be killed right in front of you. Maybe there's lasting impacts from that. And your only way to deal with it was to completely numb out and shut it down. And so the only way you know how to teach when people are having emotional problems is to tell them to shut it down and just bottle it up because deep down there, it, it, you'll eventually suffocate it. Actually deep down there, it causes an emotional cancer within you and it will kill you. Like it, it causes you to be someone that nobody, like you become a cancer to other people around you. you. You're dangerous to yourself and others because you do not communicate what's going on. So I love that you brought up that communication, you know, and that they really do go hand in hand. Um, so that, that's a great way of breaking generational toxicity. Um, so I actually, I, I wanted to uh, get a bunch of other people's ideas on this. So a couple hours before this uh, recording, I reached out to, uh, to, you know, trusty old Facebook and got some opinions on there from uh, some locals in my, in my area of Northern Arizona, Northern Phoenix. And um, I, I got some really good comments. Th this is actually, this is a problem that a lot of people um, not only recognize today, but want to talk about because I, I post about things on my podcast a lot and I rarely get very many comments, maybe two or three, but this was within like 10 minutes. I had like 17 comments. Like <laughs> it was, it was awesome. And I was like, okay, here we go. So, you know, one of the first ones I, I got was uh, a lady talking about how you have to unlearn everything, then begin building yourself of who you truly are and mirror that within that household and, and, and children. Okay. While unlearning, and, and I responded, yes, you do have to unlearn that. And you have to also be, uh, give yourself a little bit of grace to not expect perfection in your unlearning times. Be willing to say, hey, look, I'm working on this. I know that like when someone points out a poor behavior, be like, you're, you're right. That was not an appropriate response. That was not, that was not good. I'm working on that. Here's how I should have reacted. And then all of a sudden it's a teaching moment that the person who reacted poorly is learning. And the person that was reacted upon understands like, oh, I can actually correct this person and say, Hey, you're not responding very well right now. And they're going to accept that correction. Um, there, there was also, you know, kind of the, uh, the opposite side of things where people like, well, depending on how brainwashed you are, you can never change that. I wholeheartedly disagree with respect. And that's only because I come from a side of, I was told by a lot of people, things like, you know, once a cheater, always a cheater. Things like once an addict, always an addict. Things like you're, you know, and, and a lot of it was from, a lot of it was internal as well. You're never going to be able to change. People never really change. How many, how many times have we heard that comment? Yeah. I fully disagree with that. People can change. It, it all just depends on do they want to change? 
Are they willing to put in the work? Um, and that goes back to what we talked about in the beginning, all in. Are you all in to committing to this, this type of thing? Uh, brainwashing that it, it's a real thing. Being conditioned, being groomed, 100% real. And it is so difficult to overcome. And so while I disagree, I also understand where they're coming from on that, that way of thinking. Um, just two more that I'll bring up. One, one person talked about uh, uh, move away from the generation causing the toxicity and create boundaries. Yes. Boundaries, boundaries, boundaries. I cannot say it enough. Boundaries. Amen. What is the hardest part about boundaries though, Richard? Uh, enforcing them. Yes. Enforcing them. When the boundary is crossed, do you enforce them? And this is so true with your children, with parents, with siblings. If you're, if you are willing to put up a boundary, you better be willing to stick to those guns when those boundaries are crossed to say, look, I'm actually, I'm, I'm leaving. I told you if you raised your voice and if you raised your voice around me, I was taking my family. We were going, no, no, no. I, I, I promise. Okay, great. Next time when we, when we come back, if you act differently, we'll stay. But as for now, I'm sticking to my boundaries. And though the people will not like the boundaries being put upon them, they will respect you more for sticking to them and they will learn. Okay. I know I can't raise my voice around these people. They'll just up and leave. And I, if I want to keep them around, I better, I better keep my voice down. So yes, create boundaries and then stick to be willing to enforce those boundaries. Uh, and then the, the last one uh, was holding people responsible for their actions. Um, this is, this is a great one. And again, this should not be done in a way of attacking them being like, Oh, now we're fighting. I'm putting my gloves on. You did something I don't like. So here I come guns blazing fists up. No, it's, it's saying, Hey, look, you need to understand where I'm coming from on this. I'm not okay with this behavior. I, I'm not okay with, I'm not okay with language like that with crude jokes like that. Um, again, I mean that, that a lot of that is, it sounds a lot like boundaries, doesn't it? You know, <laughs> Um, but when, when someone wrongs you to, to be willing to say like, Hey, this might be, this might be end of relationship type of actions and coming from where I have with being unfaithful to my wife, you know, I was held responsible for that. Hey, this, this might be the end of the line. Um, and, and if, uh, if this behavior doesn't change, it is. I'm gone. The kids are gone. You get nothing. So, and, and that, that was what I needed because that was the first time I had ever been told that it was always, I'm so, you know, like it, it was, I was getting away with it. I was hurting my wife and getting away with it. And so, yes, we, we have to hold people responsible for their actions. Did, did you have a, what, what about you? Any, any other tips that you could say to help break the, the chains of generational toxicity? Um, as you said, enabled, uh, I'd also add uh, along those same lines, uh, accountability. I, I know those two go hand in hand, but I think being held accountable, no longer being enabling, but being accountable for your actions. And if you are continuing to struggle day to day, implementing the tools and resources necessary, um, whether that be support groups or accountability partners or daily check-ins, whatever need be, all of those steps are a great necessity in getting, in getting help 
in getting in breaking addictions, not it can't not generational toxicity. Awesome. I went the Great. wrong way. <laughs> oh man. Um yeah, no, but but on, on that note, you know, like in just in just a quick little recap of everything we've gone through today, guys. Uh be willing to talk about what's going on. Be willing to approach the people with love, talking about what you personally have gone through, what uh, what you're okay with, setting those boundaries and looking at things with empathy while still maintaining those boundaries. Um, you know, not not having to let unsafe or unhappy behaviors enter into your life. Uh, that this this can this can be broken, and it and it may. It may take some time. It takes a lot of work on our part and it's going to take work on our children's part and their children's and our children's 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 and for generations to come. But this is, this is where we start. It starts with you. It starts with you recognizing what things you loved, what things you did not love, uh, where you would, where you could be better. And so again, I, I know I've said this a lot. You can't change people. The only person you can change is yourself. And then you can set an example for others around you. So in that rich dude, I, I thank you so much for, for joining me on this episode today. I think this is a, a really, really important topic. Um, and I would not be surprised if this ends up coming up again as uh, another future episode. Um, I, I just think it's something that is so valuable and needs to be discussed. So real quick, just to, uh, just to finish things off. Um, I, I'm, I'm gonna, I, I don't do this every episode, but I'm, I'm gonna ask you, uh, why are you fighting and why don't you just give up, man? I'm fighting because I know that I need this. This is the most important thing. This being my family and the spirit in my life and the ability to guide and direct them in a effective manner to be able to preside in a non-toxic way with effective tools and an effective communication and being able to change the generational toxicity and root out the generational toxicity to be able to effectively work together with my wife um, to help my, my daughter and our future children. And I know you're, I know that your understanding of this is going to make you a great parent. It's going to make you someone that uh, can have deep, meaningful conversations with their child. And that is, you know, willing to give them that physical, emotional, and intellectual affection and attention that they need to grow and be an impactful human being that is full of the light of Christ. You are on the right path. You're doing an amazing job. I'm so proud to have you as a friend and to know you and to have watched your journey up to this point. Thank you for this topic. Thank you for bringing it up and thank you for being vulnerable and willing to discuss these things. You are a freaking warrior and uh, dude, and thanks for being part of the intro. Uh, for those of you that enjoy that intro, Rich is one of the voices in there. So uh, thanks for being a part of that too, man. You're, you're on my team. You're one of my, you're one of my top five, bro. So I love and appreciate you, man. Yeah, you too. Thanks, man. I appreciate, appreciate you having me on here. Appreciate the, the love and support. Yeah, dude. Anytime. All right. Well, we will uh, talk to you guys next week. Don't forget to uh, like and comment on this. 
give it the five star review. I've heard if you tickle the five stars, uh, it will make a uh, it'll make a cute little Elmo laugh. So go ahead and click on the five stars, see if it does it. All right. All right, guys, we'll see you next week. Remember, your story is unique and can make a huge difference in the lives of others. If you feel the desire to share your story on Recovering You, please don't hesitate to reach out to me at recoveryu2 at gmail.com with the number two. Or you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash recoveringyoupodcast. That's facebook.com forward slash recoveringyoupodcast. podcast.